Friends, we're kicking off tonight's episode with a more somber note. Uh, obviously, a very beloved figure in the Winnipeg Jets fan community and within Winnipeg itself, uh, Scott Campbell, has passed away. And I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about him because um, not only was he somebody who uh, a lot of us may have come into contact with or had seen on social media, but, you know, as a Jets fan, his interactions with me and, and the, the chats that I had with him honestly helped kind of pave the way for me to become a Jets fan. I'll talk about, you know, the legacy that he leaves on a lot of members of the community and why in particular Scott meant a lot to me coming right up on tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Or Locked On the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. On tonight's episode, obviously, uh, there are some things that I want to talk about later in regards to some surprising free agent deals, maybe some contracts that I didn't really see coming, but apparently teams have signed for one reason or another. And we'll talk about you know what they might mean for some other respective teams. But like I said um, in the intro, I wanted to, wanted to spend more time talking about um, you know, Scott Campbell, who for a lot of us, if you've ever interacted with him on Twitter or maybe you'd met him in Winnipeg, uh, unfortunately, I was never blessed to have the chance to uh, grab a pint with him, uh, much as I actually did want to on my next trip to the peg. Um, you know, Scott has unfortunately left us a little bit too soon. And for me, it was a very tough piece of news. I mean, a lot of you have probably um, had chats with him, and so you know, he was an extremely kind person, somebody who was happy to share a lot of his a lot of his experiences as a member of the WHA Jets and for a brief spell the NHL Jets. Um, in those very early formative years, he always was happy to share tales of playing against. Um, I think even guys like Mister Hockey and some of the legends of the earlier years of of earlier pro hockey leagues and. You know, it didn't matter whether you played hockey, whether you watched it, you were just a fan, or even if you didn't really have that much of an interest, Scott was always happy to talk shop. And that sort of approachability and, and kindness um, was why when I first interacted with him and, and got to know him a bit, uh, you know, he kind of, you know, was one of the first people that brought me into the Jets fan base. And, you know, his insights, the stories that he shared, uh, sometimes he would post on blogs and um, give some insights into what it was like back then. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, I was trying to think of the right words to say, because for me, it was a very important part of me becoming a longer term Jets fan. I honestly don't know that I would be doing this here in front of you guys, 
if I hadn't met folks like Scott back in the day, um, they were really welcoming. And Scott, you know, was uh, one of the most knowledgeable of that group and certainly had some really cool uh, experiences that he got to share with people. But I always just really appreciated how humble he was. Uh, it just seemed like he was an extremely down to earth person. And like I said, I, I really wish that I'd had the, the chance to really meet him and, and hang out with him because uh, by all accounts, everyone who's ever come into contact with him and, um, you know, for, for the community, he's meant a lot. And the Jets did actually, um, they put out a statement today, obviously a pretty short one, but, you know, a lot of people in the community have stories of Scott, have memories with him. And so for me, it was just, uh, it was a tough one. Honestly, I wasn't really sure if I was even going to be able to talk about it on the podcast. Um, I was pretty sad earlier. It felt kind of like uh, somebody had kind of sucked the wind out of your sails um, and, and like the wind had been, or the air had just been sucked out of the room. It, it, it was a tough one, but you know, Scott was an amazing person. Uh, you know, everyone that I've ever spoken to about him just seems to have really wonderful things to say. And, you know, while his career, uh, with the Jets, ironically, for the NHL wasn't super long. You know, he got to share some amazing times for this franchise. Uh, and really, you know, he, he was one of the early founding members of this whole new era of the NHL. Obviously not the Thrashers era or anything like that, but in the very origins and foundings of the league, uh, Scott played a pivotal role there. So you're, you're going to find some really amazing stuff. I'd highly encourage you, if you haven't done so already, to check out some of his old blog posts. He's got some really crazy stories, uh, some really cool insights. And I think most of all, what I really appreciated about him was that he was always open-minded. You know, I think a lot of people see older hockey players and retired hockey players and think, you know, they, they've only got eyes for the old stuff and uh, the old way and the traditional way of the game. But Scott was always open-minded. He was always interested in uh, maybe even dabbling in statistical analysis, understanding a little bit more about what the numbers meant and trying to think about things in a practical way, you know, meshing data and and what he could see on the ice. And I thought that that was kind of a wonderful thing and something that, you know, a lot of people sometimes don't give others a chance to do. And I feel like, you know, Scott was really one of those guys who, you know, despite having played in the league and certainly um, holding a lot more experience than most of us ever will, he was always willing to listen and always willing to lend a patient ear. So, um, you know, for all of those reasons and for just how nice of a person he was, uh, you know, we're, we're really going to miss him. And uh, I know me personally, I'm going to miss him a lot. Um, uh, you know, I was just thinking about him the other day and thinking, uh, you know, I wondered what he had been up to because I hadn't heard from him in a while. And I know that he stopped posting on social media. So, um, you know, the news for me, it was hard. But, uh, you know, we'll miss you, Scott. And I'm sure if you're if you're listening to this now, I'm sure you'll say, don't be sad. Um, but, you know, one day we'll meet again. And I, I hope that uh, by then we'll have a, a Winnipeg Jets trophy to show you and uh, a title that really brings greatness to the city. And that, uh, you know, you got to share in that story so many years ago, but uh, before I start crying and, and bursting into tears, uh, I do want to change topics a little bit and talk about uh, some of the NHL free, free agent transactions and stuff and, you know, what's been going on around the league. Obviously, the Jets have been a little bit quiet aside from Sam Gagne, but there have been some movements around some major teams, uh, some major players coming off the market, 
And we'll talk about those players and what they might mean for the rest of the league in just a little bit. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out our wonderful friends and partners at Built Bar. Obviously, if you've heard me talk about Built Bars, you know that I'm personally a big fan. Uh, you know, I've had lots of protein bars in my life. And while, uh, you know, I personally can't say I've enjoyed many of them, Built Bar has been one of the few that's really caught me off guard. And I think it's great. It's the only protein bar that's more like a candy bar with a 100% real chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. They've got tons of great flavors, but they're constantly coming up with more, just like they've got a brand new one called Cookie Dough Chunk Puff, and it's all of the deliciousness and the wonderful um, excitement of cookie dough without any of the hassle of prepping it and none of the guilt, because Cookie Dough Chunk Puffs, much like the rest of Built Bars, only clock in at 160 calories and are loaded to bear with 15 grams of protein. I, should, I challenge you to find anything that tastes as good as cookie dough with none of the calories and so much protein getting you going for your workout, uh, maybe a bit of an afternoon pick-me-up, maybe even a breakfast replacement, whatever it is, built scotchy covered with lots of great flavors just like cookie dough chunk puff. And if you can't decide, be sure to check out the variety box that gives you up to 12 different flavors so you can find your personal favorite built bar. We also have a special offer just for you listeners. When you go to built.com and check out, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON15 and you'll receive 15% off your order. Again, at checkout, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout at built.com. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Thank you for bearing with me while I uh, shared some memories of Scott. Obviously, it was... Uh, it was a tough day for a lot of us, but um, I did want to move on to something else a little bit just because I didn't even know if I could keep talking about it and, and make it through that. But um, obviously the league is is moving on. The NHL is always in motion, and there have been some decently large contracts, some of which I was a little bit caught off guard by. You know, I, I wasn't really expecting some of these extensions one of the most surprising ones that I'm still trying to piece together is Tage Thompson with the Buffalo Sabres signing for seven years at $49.9 million. So, you know, 7.7 per year, which is um, a, little bit of a, a little bit of a strange contract, if I'm being honest. I can't say, or 7.1 uh, or 7.2-ish per, per year, but just over seven, you know, it's a bit of an odd deal. I wasn't really expecting this. I know that Thompson... Um, had a really big year in shooting percentage and was scoring tons of goals, had a noticeable jump in his production. And I think a lot of people were thinking maybe Tage was finally going to realize what he was drafted to be when he was with the Blues and blossom into like a first line center. I think my concern with this deal is that this is like the first year that Thompson has really scored like a top six center. And the reality is that when you look at his game underneath the surface, you know, there are some parts of his game that do translate to being a natural finisher, but the rest of his game, it kind of seems like might be more of a flash in the pan. And I know that there are some that are going to say, well, this is a bit of a gamble, right? But it's not the most expensive one. And sure, the Sabres can probably afford to make a deal like this more so than other teams. But I just don't really see where they're getting, you know, a little over $7 million for Thompson from. From one season of that kind of production, you're betting that this is going to be a repeatable thing. And I don't know that Tage is really that kind of guy. I think that he could be a really important middle six player for them long term, but I just don't really know if it's like first line caliber. 
Now, again, the Sabres are kind of in a position where I can see why they would take this gamble, and I, I suppose there are some p- folks out there who might say it's even defensible. I just don't really feel like, to me, there's enough of a track record yet, and so I, I got to give this one a bit of an F, uh, or maybe maybe an F is not even right. I don't even know if I can give it a rating because, quite honestly, I don't even know what the deal is um, or why it was really uh, awarded given such a limited sample size to work with in terms of uh, Tage's performance. But whatever the case is, I'm glad he got paid. He's making a ton of money now, and the Sabres are doing something. Uh, obviously, this team has tried to push more towards a data-focused, scouting-focused approach towards uh, roster building, which, hey, you know, more power to him. I just don't really know that this is the, the kind of conclusion you might arrive at for a guy that, again, kind of put up career numbers, but you're not really looking at anything that seems particularly sustainable. Now, aside from that, there were a couple of other minor deals before we talk about one big one. Uh, The one that I want to focus on is actually a trade. Aiden Hill, um, about a week or two ago, got sent to the Vegas Golden Knights from the Sharks, and the Sharks received a fourth-round pick from a future draft. Now, this one's kind of an interesting gamble just because Hill at one point was a decently touted uh, goalie prospect, but obviously since making the NHL, Hill has really struggled to show off much more than maybe being like a backup. There have been flashes in Hill's game where you think, oh, you know, he's got some really solid fundamentals. He's got decent reflexes. Maybe his positioning could use some work, but there are tools there in his game that you could develop into some kind of an NHL goalie. The thing with this one, though, is is I don't know if Vegas is really the most comfortable place for Hill to be landing. He's going to have to basically hit the ground running, what with Lerner being out for the season and them not really having many goalies. I mean, they've got like Logan Thompson. Um, they've got Hill now, and I forget. I think there's one more goalie. Uh, but none of these guys are looking like uh, clear number one netminders to steal the starting role. So lot of competition. I think that's probably Hill's best shot at making it is is certainly being able to win the spot from one of the other guys who might fill in more of a backup role or something. But, you know, interesting deal. Uh, Low-cost gamble, I guess, for the Sharks. I don't really know if they needed to give up Hill yet, other than they think he's just not really the one, which is entirely possible. But, you know, for a fourth-round pick, it's not an ideal return. But I guess it gets him off the books and gives him a shot to try and shine somewhere else. I will say that the Sharks kind of compensated by signing Yevgeny Zvechnikov to a one-year $750,000 contract uh, just a couple days ago. Uh, like I've said in the past, I think Yevgeny is a great like complimentary winger, somebody who brings really solid defensive numbers, uh, quality transitional play, and just general all-around competence, which sounds very silly to say, but I think it's a little bit um, underrated at times. Players like Perot did this like at a really crazy good level. Zvechnikov not quite as impactful as Perot was, but still for basically league minimum, a really nice player. Uh, and I, I thought that he really worked well with Dubois and Connor. So it was a shame that they didn't get a shot to stick around. But now he's going to the Sharks. He'll get lots of ice time there, I'm sure. And I hope that he shows the Jets why, in my opinion, letting him go was probably a mistake. Now, Yevgeny, as much as I love him, is not quite on the same level of player that we're going to get to in just a little bit. Uh, A guy who just signed a major contract extension, but despite being a really big player, 
not feeling this deal in particular. We'll talk about this deal and why I think it might be a mistake in just a little bit. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. We are closing out tonight with a few more contract extensions, some of them not super controversial, some of them a little bit on the strange side. Uh, the strange one that I'm looking at is JT Miller re-signing for the Vancouver Canucks at seven years and $56 million, so around $8 million per season in cap hit, which that's, um, that's a little bit steep, I'm not going to lie. Is it fair value for JT? Probably. I think the question for Vancouver is, does Miller really fit uh, a major role for this team um, in the in like the present term and the future? And I think that is not as easy a question to answer. I think for me, Vancouver kind of got cold feet and and were worried that they were going to lose him for nothing, and so they were like, "Well, we're just going to have to extend him and sign him to a massive contract." Which there is something to be said about you know losing players for free um, in free agency and and watching them walk and maybe not getting value for that. But I feel like with Miller, he is kind of at the age where you start to wonder how much longer can he be really productive at this level? And is he going to be worth $8 million in three to four years? That, not really sure. And obviously you can move that deal with within reason, probably retain some salary back back at that point. And, uh, you know, you've only got three or so years left on the deal. But for Vancouver, I just don't really understand the fit. Uh, if you were really intent on keeping JT, I don't know, it just feels like this wasn't the best way to go about it. I felt like there maybe could have been some kind of a trade option if you had just lowered your trade asks and not seen um, uh, a cost that put so many teams out of the race. Maybe Miller even would have made sense for the Jets for the season. I don't know. But whatever the case is, he's now locked up long term. And for the life of me, I don't really understand Vancouver's thinking here, but the Canucks are going to do the Canucks and try and, I guess, make the postseason with this roster as it is. We'll see if they can start to get some contributions from their young players. But for the time being, it definitely seems like they feel JT is one of their lead guys. One player who maybe hasn't gotten quite the contract that you would expect for a lead lead guy is um, Eric Brandstrom. He has signed a one-year uh, deal a little over league minimum at 900 k for the Senators. And Brandstrom obviously was very heralded when he was drafted. But since then, he's kind of fallen into the Heinola space of not really getting a lot of NHL time, although I think he still has had more than Heinola has. Uh, but, you know, his, his results on the ice have been modest. I kind of feel like Heinola is probably going to perform at a higher level than Eric is. But, you know, Brandstrom, this is kind of like a show-me deal, I guess. Uh, one year at such a cheap price for the Sens. Ottawa really can't complain. Worst case scenario, he kind of flames out as like a third pairing guy. But I still think Eric has something in his game to show um, at least some team, whether it's the Sens or maybe another squad that kind of buys in on him on the low side and brings him in, gives him a shot. And maybe he carves out a full time uh, top four role as like a, a number three or a number four defender. The The other kind of contract that kind of caught my eye was um, Jake Ottinger signing for three years at just around $4 million per season. This is kind of like a perfect bridge deal for the Stars who are trying to figure out a way to bring back Jason Robertson without breaking the bank. Obviously, Robbo was really important to, the, to that team, as is Ottinger, but they've got a lot of money committed on the books right now that they can't really afford to pay the kids. 
And I think ownership and, and the front office have said one thing in terms of not paying their young stars, but the reality is they couldn't pay them even if they wanted to. And I think that that is probably the main reason why they've tried to talk around some of these issues. Uh, I chatted with Locked on Stars and Dane Lewis about this um, and, and kind of thinking about it a little bit more. It might just be that, you know, Dallas just straight up can't afford big wages. And so they're trying to downplay it a little bit in these negotiations. But I do expect that once, you know, contracts like Ben run out, Ottinger and Rabo will probably get a big raise. Uh, the question, though, is obviously for, for Dallas, will Robertson resign? I have a hard time seeing him leaving, but, you know, this is one of those times where increasingly we're seeing kids maybe taking a bit more command of their future. And this could be a chance for him to change teams if he feels like the Stars aren't really where he's destined to finish his career. But uh, obviously, you know, it's not the same situation as players leaving Canada. But I do think despite that, we're going to see more young players doing this stuff and maybe opting to push for new homes. So an interesting situation to keep an eye on. Would love the Jets to take a swing at Robertson. Never going to happen, but it's nice to dream sometimes, right? That's what we do as Jets fans. We dream. I'd be curious to know your thoughts on Robertson. Would you trade him and what kind of package would you offer? I think a couple of firsts would probably have to be it, you know, along with a prospect or two. Uh, but be sure to let me know at HL Living Loco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. Uh, or let me know in the YouTube comments below. Some of you are probably like a couple of first round picks. Are you crazy? Truth is, though, Robertson is probably going to give you way more value than those picks ever will. Unless the Jets hit some kind of a lottery pick in the next couple of years, which that's going to be rough. Uh, Robertson truly is an amazing kid and, and honestly one of the best players in the NHL. So, yeah, let me know what you think in the YouTube comments below. Let me know what players you might be interested in and hearing about. Maybe some guys who have signed with new teams. Maybe you'd like to know what uh, sort of impact they might have on their new squads. Again, let me know in the comments below, and I will try and feature them in a future video. But for tonight's episode, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. While you're here, be sure to make your second listen, Locked on NHL. Our experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the world of hockey with Locked on NHL, all on your favorite podcasting platforms of choice for free, as always. Thanks again for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.